Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Progressive presents Forest Metaphors about bundling your home and auto. In sports, three goals is a hat trick. And when you bundle your home and auto with Progressive, you get a hat trick of great savings and round-the-clock protection. So you might be thinking, wait, that's two things. A hat trick is three. But in this metaphor, great savings counts as two goals, and so does round-the-clock protection. So it's like four goals, and that's more than three. It's basic math. Forced Metaphors, presented by Progressive. Bundle and protect today. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Discount not available in all states or situations. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. This is Greg Olson, here to tell you about my new podcast, TE1. On the show, I had a chance to talk to my fellow tight ends who have revolutionized the position from an extra lineman to a dual-threat superstar. And just like my guests have changed the game, this year, NFLSundayTicket.tv is revolutionizing your NFL viewing experience. Stream all the live out-of-market NFL games every Sunday on your favorite devices and never miss a moment from your favorite players. Visit NFLSundayTicket.tv and use the promo code GREG88 at checkout and get 15% off your subscription. That's NFLSundayTicket.tv and the promo code GREG88. Subscribe to TE1 and get NFLSundayTicket.tv, an unmatched dual threat. Cubs-related podcast presented by CubsInsider.com. My name is Corey. I am joined, as always, by Brendan. And we are coming to you on Wednesday, August 26th, after the Cubs drop a three-game set with the Detroit Tigers. And, Brendan, I mean, this is going to be one of those pods. Uh, I mean, you know, I, we're, we're not going to go full-on explicit here, but the the tigers were 11 and 16 coming into this series the cubs win the opener on monday and then the tigers proceed to put up uh 14 runs over a two day span and win the last two uh they put up 18 hits in the game on wednesday 10 in the game on tuesday 
this was not good. And coming off a weekend where in a couple of those games you get bludgeoned pretty pretty hard by the Chicago White Sox, uh, you took three of the five with the Cardinals, but a, a you know those a couple of those games did not look good. And that, of course, is, uh, you know, preceded by the three straight one-run losses to the Brewers. It's a bad stretch for this team. We're seeing some of the bad habits showing themselves again lately over the last week or so, some some bad defense and bad base running. And again, like, it's a 60-game season. You kind of have to turn the page pretty quickly. But losing a series to the Detroit Tigers is just not a place you want to be. And I don't like seeing some of the extremes that we've been witnessing over the past week to two weeks. And so when the extremes line up with these poor outcomes, you have like justification to be a little bit concerned. And that's what this podcast is going to be. We're going to talk about some of the extremes and some of the issues that we've been witnessing over the last two weeks. But this has kind of been the same story, man. I feel like for the past three years, like we always have like a few of these episodes every season and we're like dumbfounded of what we're seeing. Yeah, it's uh, it's really frustrating. I, I don't know any other it way is. to to phrase that. I, I texted you earlier in the game, like, name a better combination than this group and not playing up to their potential. It, it's just, we've seen this so yeah. frequently and it just gets very, very frustrating. Now, to properly contextualize all of this, like the season isn't over. They're still in first place. We've talked about, you know, eight teams are making the playoffs. I think when I looked last night, uh, the Giants before their game against the Dodgers last night were 14 and 16 and would have been a playoff team. So, you know, none of this is to like write any of this off and or, you know, suggest that this team stinks or anything like that, right? It's it's all about keeping things in the proper context. Uh, but this is just, and we talked about this a little bit on the last episode, it's, it's just something that has become all too familiar with this group where they just go through stretches where you almost don't recognize who these players are right? And in these last couple games against Detroit, they made a lot of hard contact, right? It's it's important to note that they, they had a lot of balls hit pretty well that found gloves. Anthony Rizzo had a ton of them. Wilson's had a lot of them lately. Kyle Schwarber's had some of them. Uh, so it, it's it's worth noting that. But at the same time, this inconsistency from this group over and over and over again over the last few years, it's it's hard not to be really frustrated by it. And I think when things changed in this offseason and we were coming into this season, you're hoping that we were going to see something different there, just a little more consistency, not seeing some of this sloppiness uh, coming back to, you know, plague this team in different ways. And, you know, yet here we are. And it's it's a lot of the same issues we've heard over and over and over again. And we'll get into some of it. Uh, it's it, it's going to be a, a shorter recap because unfortunately for the second straight series in a row, a lot of what has gone on here is not particularly enjoyable. Um, and I don't think you guys really need to hear it, but just to give you uh, some proper context here, the Cubs winning 9-3 to on Monday. Alec Mills was really good in this game, uh, which will be important to note because the rotation uh, with Jose Quintana and Tyler Chatwood making their returns is going to be a subject here going forward. Mills goes 7 
allows seven hits, three earned, one walk, and seven strikeouts. It's his third win, so a good start there from Alec Mills. The Cubs getting their runs in this one on a David Bodie RBI single and a Nico Horner RBI single in the second that made it two to nothing. David Bodie would add his fourth home run of the season in the fourth. A Rizzo RBI single, and then Javi Baez, who this was a huge game for him and certainly one that had to feel really, really good for him. In the fourth, he hits his fourth home run of the year that made it six to one Cubs. And in the ninth, he hits his fifth of the year that made it seven to three Cubs. David Bodie adds some more RBIs late in the ninth in this one. And that would be all that she wrote. As far as the things to note from the two losses, it was seven to one on Tuesday. Uh, this one is going to be interesting to look at going forward. Tyler Chatwood makes his return from the injured list from that back injury. He goes one and a third, allows three hits, two earned, five walks, and two strikeouts. This was not a good start. Uh, he's pulled pretty quickly, and it will be something to take a look at. Uh, Dwayne Underwood Jr. got out of a big spot there, came in to relieve him, and then he was followed by three innings from Jose Quintana. He goes three, allows four hits, three earned, one walk, and three strikeouts. Now, some of those runs were inherited runs that were allowed to score. Uh, So, you know, kind of judge that how you will. But Quintana did not give up all of those runs. Uh, Casey Sadler, unfortunately, was on the receiving end of those. Uh, The Cubs could not solve Spencer Turnbull. And, you know, that's always super great. Again, the Tigers scoring seven runs in this one on a mostly a five-run sixth inning, 10 hits total for the Tigers on Tuesday. Seven to six was the final on Wednesday. The Cubs with a little bit uh, of, you know, a very typical rally that falls short in the ninth inning. They entered the ninth inning trailing by four. They got three. Uh, So, you know, that was pretty typical. You could probably smell that from a mile away. Though Rizzo got within, what, a couple feet from knocking one out to the very, very deep center of Comerica Park. So that was nice and annoying. Uh, the notes in this one, John Lester was pretty good in this one, scatters eight hits, but he goes five, allows just one on one earned run, one walk, and five strikeouts, so uh, overall a nice bounce back start from John. Some of those hits were pretty soft, so I think all things considered, uh, a nice bounce back outing for him. Something that's uh, concerning, I guess, to monitor is Rowan Wick has not been good in a couple of outings recently. He goes two-thirds of an inning, allows two hits and two earned runs. Ryan Tapera also so not good in this one. A third of an inning, five hits, three earned in this one. So that's really great, Brendan. A couple of the guys that, you know, we were uh, locking into that back end of the bullpen with some not great outings. I, you know, it's, they're allowed not great outings, but just, of course, you know, when, when we finally get parts of the bullpen stabilized, the regularly stable guys now join the fray of uh, struggling. So that's that's really it. Uh, I think as far as things to note in this one, I mean, the Cubs took a two to nothing lead in the third inning on a Rizzo RBI single and a Javi sacrifice fly. Schwarber homered in this one, and the Cubs runs in the ninth. Uh, Nico single and Almora double, and the Rizzo sack fly that I mentioned that was just short uh, of being a pretty big home run. So that's that's pretty much it, and and that's that's where we are. Um, the one thing that I do want to note in the game on. On Wednesday, and I'm going to try to contextualize this properly, uh, and I hope you guys will allow us to contextualize it this way. Jason Hayward sits in the game on Wednesday uh, amidst the protests going on for another police shooting in this country. 
and he sat out in protest. And what I want you guys to understand, uh, Brendan and I doing this uh, pretty immediately after the game. So some of the stuff has not come out yet uh, as we are doing this. We try to keep an eye on things as we're recording, but this is how we have to do it. So we have not seen what has been said. We would obviously prefer not to be speaking on this until we heard from David Ross, Jason Hayward, uh, and the rest of his teammates, uh, but we just cannot for scheduling and, and a couple of other reasons. So uh, you got to bear with us on that. Uh, but what I will say is I think we were pretty clear uh, when we did the podcast uh, amidst the protests for uh, the police shootings several months ago. I think we were pretty clear in our stance on this stuff. Uh, obviously, with, that goes with you know al- along with uh, full unconditional support of Jason Hayward to sit out of this game tonight and exercise his rights and to use his platform to speak up against the violence uh, against the African American community. And I, you know, without hearing what they had to say, uh, I wish that the Cubs would have joined him uh, and some of the other teams in Major League Baseball in just sitting today out. Um, but that is not what they decided to do. We will, I, I will encourage you to read uh, or listen to what David Ross and the rest of Hayward's teammates have to say about that after the game. Uh, but I think that those guys have a very close relationship. Uh, I know that a lot of them are very close with Hayward. Very, uh, you know, he's he's seen and often talked about as a huge leader and presence in this clubhouse. Uh, so I don't want to assume anything with their relationship. I don't want to assume any motives or anything like that because I'm not in there and I can't do that. So listen to their words afterward. But I, I guess I would just say I, I was a little disappointed that they they didn't uh, you know follow with some of the other teams in sitting out, uh, especially just given the statements that we've heard from a lot of them you know over the the past several months with the social unrest. And, you know, we said at the time on that episode, these are good statements, but you'd like to see those statements put into action. This was a chance for action and they didn't do it. And again, I I don't have their reasoning for it as I'm talking to you right now. Um, So please get that context when you can. Uh, but that's just sort of the the gut reaction to this decision. Um, but again, I think uh, you know one thing that goes without saying, and and I already said it, but I'm going to say it again. Uh, Jason Hayward has our full, you know, undivided support, uh, and you know I applaud him for for taking a stance and using his platform and not being afraid to speak up and and do what he felt was right, which was sit out the game on Wednesday. So uh, again. We, we just are not able to wait until these quotes come out. They, they, they might come out, you know, as we're doing this, but we just don't have the ability to wait just based on how Brendan and I record this and uh, the timing of, of all of this uh, with our schedule tonight and how to get this podcast out. So uh, thank you guys for bearing with us on that. But, you know, be sure to check on how the Cubs address this and, and you know, cleared this up or attempted to clear this up. But Brendan... Getting to the the baseball side of things uh, as the Cubs going forward here, this is just a, a bad series. This is a bad series in a in a pretty bad stretch for this team, and I, I think it's it's tough for me to reconcile. Uh, you know, trying to keep things in the proper context and, and knowing it's a 60-game season and knowing that so many teams are going to make the playoffs, it, it's just a lot to sort of wrap your head around. But I, I think the the purveying feeling is that losing a series to the Detroit Tigers is 
pretty unacceptable. Losing to bad teams is going to happen, right? It's it's no team is immune from that. Plenty of teams have won the World Series that played, uh, you know, a bad series against some of the worst teams in the league. But this this is just not a good stretch for this team, and this was a really really bad showing in these last couple of games. I think that's perhaps the the hardest part to get over is is just I mean the the Tigers were hitting the ball all over the ballpark, fourteen runs in the last two days, and for the most part, you know, save for those three runs in the ninth inning on Wednesday, here's that anemic offense again. It's it's very difficult. You don't want to over react and and I don't think we're going to but th- this was a, a real dumpster fire of of a couple games for the Cubs here is how it ended too I mean after that first game you're looking at Javi hitting two home runs and Bodie one yard and he was looking good and just the way they they finished and the way that the season has gone on some of the underlying numbers and what we're seeing they're they're starting to align and kind of concern me like to, to be transparent, I know we talked a lot about their grinding approach, and that is true. I mean, they are still working deep counts, but as the season has gone on and as more data has become available, there's another side that we have to talk about. And the other side is, what aren't they swinging at? And right now, the Cubs have the second lowest zone swing rate in the league. That is down from last year by almost 9%. That's a huge difference. And when we look at why this is happening, it's that middle of the order. You have Rizzo Corey, who has the third lowest zone swing rate in Major League Baseball right now. That's weird because his entire career, he was league average, sometimes above league average, sometimes slightly below league average. These are... These are extreme changes, and that's what I like. Mean when I see when I say extreme changes, and that aligning with with poor outcomes, that, that that's what concerns me and kind of puzzles me. So, in one sense, yes, the Cubs are grinding at bats, still grinding at bats, but on the other hand, at what at what cost is this truly who they are as hitters? And right now, we don't we don't have that answer. Maybe in like. The next 20 games, this ultimately will pay off for them. But when we look at the tier of teams who they're in company with right now with the swing rate, they're they're not good teams, man. They're, they're like lower place, last place, second to last place teams. And when you combine that with right now their inability to make contact, again, they're the second worst contact rating team in the league. And when you combine that with the fact that they're getting the fewest balls in play per strike, it's matching everything we're seeing, and we're, we kind of saw that in these last two games, and it's frustrating. And I, I, I don't think there's an obvious answer, right? Like we've been talking about this for years now, and trying to like level out the peaks and valleys. And I remember too, in 2017, Sahadev Sharma of the Athletic, he he wrote this post and he showed just a distribution of runs per game and it was either like the Cubs were scoring one to three runs or they were scoring like eight plus runs and there was very little in between and at that time that seemed just like a random thing but as we go on from 2017 to 2018 to 2019 to now we still keep seeing this extreme toying around with approaches and it does make me question some of the processes we're seeing here again this is only 30 games they're a playoff contender. We're contextualizing this. They can easily win the World Series this year. You get into the playoffs, anything can happen, right? But 
this is something that is a little weird to me. I, this is just the best way I can put it out there. It's weird. It's puzzling. I don't know what to think of it anymore. From tight muscles, tough workouts, signs of aging, to simply making it through each busy day, everyone understands what it's like to be tense and sore, so everyone can benefit from TheraOne's CBD products. Started by Jason Wurzland, TheraBody exists to provide you with the best scientifically validated natural solutions to help soothe your body and relax your mind. It started with the revolutionary Theragun percursive therapy device. When Dr. Jason saw the benefits of using CBD in his treatments, he created TheraOne to bring you CBD products done right. And now through Labor Day, Monday, September 7th, TheraOne is offering our listeners a buy one, get one free for all TheraOne products. But you've got to go to theragun.com slash blue wire. If you don't love what you get from TheraOne, send it back for a full refund within 30 days of purchase. This is not something TheraOne is likely to do again. Buy one, get one free at theragun.com slash blue wire. But only until Labor Day. Go right now to theragun.com slash blue wire yeah i think that again we we've talked about this a lot and and we end up harping on it but you you want to know how you end up playing like this against the tigers and how you go through a stretch like this uh let me read the ops numbers for the two through five hitters in this lineup so ian happ is leading off so obviously his numbers are still very good uh he had a three hit night on wednesday so he's just still plugging along seemingly no ill effect he was three for four uh with a walk uh out of the leadoff spot on wednesday so moving him to the leadoff spot seems to have changed absolutely nothing about how well he was hitting and seeing the ball. So I think we leave that alone, right? That seems to be going really well. Uh, But Chris Bryant is out. He's still injured. And here are the numbers for the two through five hitters on this team. Rizzo, a 216 batting average and a 740 OPS. Javi Baez, a 221 batting average and a 669 OPS. Kyle Schwarber, a 220 batting average and a 768 OPS. Wilson Contreras, a 207 batting average and a 691 OPS. Plain and simple. And I've said this for a couple episodes now. We can talk about a million different nuances of how this team is built, their approach, all sorts of things, the runners in scoring position, any little thing you want, right? But that is not going to cut it. Those are abysmal numbers from your two through five hitters. Uh, We know that all four of those guys are better hitters than that, and they should be performing better than that. And again, it's one of those things that you're trying to wrap your head around, okay, well, it's been 30 games. You know, how much do we really want to freak out about this? For example, you know, Rizzo is always a guy who tends to have a pretty bad April that doesn't end up reflective of his overall numbers once the season is over. But there's not that much time for that. But you've got two of these guys with a sub 700 OPS, none of them even above 770. Brendan. That is plain and simple. That's just not going to cut it. And it speaks also to like the the inconsistency that we just see from this group. I think it's pretty jarring to see Rizzo and Baez. We've seen the inconsistency a lot more from guys like Schwarber and Contreras. Um, But it's 
it's a little scary to to look at these numbers. And when we saw Schwarber's a good example, you know, we talked this whole offseason about if he's able to be that player he was in the second half of the 2019 season, a guy who was putting up better numbers than Nicholas Castellanos from an offensive perspective, you know, that's the step he needed to take in his career right, to sort of elevate to that that player and that prospect and everything that, that Theo in the front office and all of us had envisioned from him. And again, it's a weird season. It's it's only 30 games, and, and I don't know how much you all want to make sweeping conclusions, but, you know, here we are again looking at these inconsistencies. And, and it, it just yeah. gets to a point, Brendan, where I, I don't know how you want to lump in this season with the rest of them, but but this is not the, the first season for some of these guys. This is a, a repeated thing that we see where, where the glimpse and, and the reason that you've believed in these guys is right there. It's so obvious, and you see them perform like that for big stretches. And then for equally big stretches, it just dis- disappears. It just isn't yeah. there. Um so I, I don't I don't know what to make of this, and and I don't want that that conversation or this conversation as a whole to be viewed as these guys are bad or you know the, this course stinks or, or anything like that. But it's it's really simple for me, man. Like th- that that two through five, those numbers are terrible. They're terrible. They're not going to cut it. And this team, again, I said this on the last episode, that we liked a 60-game season for this team because you were hoping that the depth wouldn't be exposed because that has been a problem for this team over the last couple seasons. The opposite is happening. This is not how Brendan or I, or I imagine a lot of you envision this going, uh, but the top-level talent isn't performing. You were hoping to ride that. It's only 60 games. Hopefully, everybody can stay healthy, perform the way they do. You can ride this top-level talent just like they do every day when you Darvish goes out there and starts right? When Darvish starts, you almost don't even care what else happens in the game. You just sort of assume they're going to win, right? You were kind of hoping that same sentiment would carry over to the offense, that if Rizzo, Baez, Schwarber, Contreras, KB was healthy, you know, and then you hope some of the other guys around them flourish, whatever, you you know, you figured that would carry them to a lot of wins. It's not happening. And it's concerning. And it's look. I mean, I'll I'll be blunt with you guys. I don't expect those numbers to consider. We we know that these guys are better hitters than that, right? Like none of the you know they're they're not all suddenly sub eight hundred OPS guys. Uh, but I, I'll I'll tell you pretty bluntly if those if those hitters don't improve and the, and those numbers don't start to trend in the right direction, I, I'm you know I'm not sure how how much hope you would have in this team uh, doing much. You, you'd really be looking at, like, we're going to ride you, Darvish, and, and Kyle Hendricks to whatever success we can, because um, that's just not going to cut it. And you look across at some of these other lineups, and you see the way that they're got, you know, they're big guys and the guys that they need to rely on and, and shoulder that burden are performing. It's just not happening for the Cubs. And I don't know why that is, uh, but that's you know one of the dangers of of such a short season is that it can play out in a lot of different ways and there's not a lot of time to correct it and and that's just what we've gotten so far from this group it's it's tough to reconcile right like we like we know how talented this team is we've always known that this was a huge reason why they won the world series just four years ago and it's hard to reconcile that with these weird stretches that we're in right now I mean, just like even like prepping for these podcasts and this one right now, like you try to figure out like why why is Schwarber only batting 220? Why is his WRC plus only 107? Like, like what, is, what is going on? Because if you look at the numbers, 
He's making the same amount of contact. You know, his hard hit rate is fine. Why, why aren't his numbers better? And then you start to think, okay, maybe he's just getting unlucky. But then you dive deeper, and what do you see? You see his strikeout rate is elevated from 25% last year to 34% this year. But again, why is that happening if his contact rate is exactly the same? You look at his own swing rate, it's down 10 percentage points. And so that that suggests that what we're seeing is a result of a non-successful approach change, of an extreme approach change. And we love to monitor how these guys adapt, but sometimes when you try to implement something, it, it doesn't work. It, it doesn't work at all. And I think for Schwarber right now, that that might be what's going on. And you know, just looking even like deeper at it, this is this is a team-wide issue. We just talked about Javi and his his weird like newfound patience that he never once shown in years past. And Granny hit two home runs. He looked better this series, but it seems like they are intentionally trying to compensate for things. And in one end, it looks like that could be an advantage, grinding that bat, similar to what 2016 did. But may, may, maybe this is just not good for them. And then. Again, you get into this weird rabbit hole and you try to figure out, you know, like, is this is this the right way to go about this core and trying to develop these guys? Is, is it is it too late? Is this just who they are? And it is a dangerous rabbit hole. But it's also so dangerous because, you know, this team has incredible talent. We know this team will probably be in the playoffs and they will be fighting for a World Series this year. And it is weird to recognize and acknowledge that with these really bad performances and some of these numbers being with some of the worst teams in the league Corey and we're like we're spitballing on air right now we don't we don't have the answers to any of this but it's just so weird to me I I don't understand this it's it's especially frustrating I think you're right about that I mean we we try to anytime we talk about anything to to give you guys insight not that that we're smarter than a lot of other people and in baseball folks but when we express opinions to you guys we we try to back them up with with data and and stuff that we can reason as to why we're saying the things that we're saying right um and i don't have that for you i know like we we just know that anthony rizzo is not a 740 ops player yeah. we know that javi is not a 670 ops player right we've got plenty of data that would suggest that's not the case right why has it been like this for so long and you know why does the offense just sort of vanish especially collectively as a group yeah, at times it's weird i don't i don't it. know i genuinely don't know the answer uh and it's especially weird to consider when you look at someone like ian happ who had specific things that they wanted him to change right and he did and now he's flourishing and you know it just some of the other guys seem to be going the other direction it just doesn't seem to be a consistent thing i don't know i i wish i had the the sort of under the hood answer for you i think to to really get that we're, we're going to need a longer sample you're going to have to to look at what some of these guys you know brendan's pointing out a lot of these trends you, you're going to have to see if some of those things continue for for longer uh, i think a good example is you know the the Contreras numbers when we brought up his his extreme walk rate and his k rate those numbers have started to you know get back to normal but they were really extreme and you know again that's the problem in in such a short season if guys change their approach or or things are you know rapidly kind of changing with how they're going about things that's uh 
you know, there's not a lot of time to adjust that. And it just sort of is what it is. So I, I, I don't have the under the hood answer for you uh, as to what's specifically going on with this offense. Uh, I do think that, you know, the kind of like the passivity thing is, is, is something, I, I mean, I do yeah. think there's something there. Uh, but the, the point that I would leave you with before we move on to the pitching is again, those numbers two through five are abysmal. They're not going to cut it. And, uh, you know, you, you'd hope that on Friday or, you know, whenever they're able to just sort of like snap their fingers and, and get back to playing like the players that we know they are. Uh, but sometimes it's not that easy. So uh, again, for, for the millionth time, there was a reason that we said it was really, really good that they banked that 13 and three start because it bought them a lot of room to play like this without really having to worry about their status in the division or their status in the overall playoff race. But they, they got to pick it up, plain and simple. I, I, I know that that's uh, a lot to put on some of these guys, and, and it's easier said than done, but you just can't—they're not going to be successful with the offensive numbers from their big stars, and that's true for most teams, right? Like, most teams aren't built— to have four of their their top guys, guys you envision carrying your lineup, just not not doing it. So that's uh, where the offense is, and and it's it's especially frustrating too, Brendan, because Monday's game felt like kind of a their back kind of game. I mean, Javi looked so good in that game; he looked locked in, and he made some good contact, uh, yeah. in, you know, Tuesday and Wednesday. So I think he's trending he in the better. right direction. Yeah, he looked better, um, yeah. but just it it felt like you know having Javi hit two home runs and you know feeling himself right like it felt like okay we're going to turn a corner here we're going to get back to kind of consistent offensive production and it just didn't happen over over the next couple of days so got to uh wait and see uh but that's that's really where where they are right now it's just not going to cut it so Switching to uh, an interesting conversation, uh, what to do with the pitching, Brendan? What to do, what to do, what to do? And in particular, I think the attention is going to be drawn to the Chatwood spot in the rotation and Jose Quintana. So I think the question is, what do you envision for this rotation going forward? Would you swap Quintana and Chatwood. Uh, you you have a doubleheader situation this weekend, so we'll see ultimately how they decide to structure all of that. You could go with uh, you know s- keeping six men for now uh, without sort of disrupting things. Though you do have the off day on Thursday, so they've got some decisions to make. Is is, is really what it is. But I think the question is, it, it, it did what you saw from Chatwood uh, in this start, and then the one before he went on the injured list. Did that kind of negate what we saw from him in those? first couple starts where he was really, really good. Um, it was a nice start for Mills in this series, a nice bounce back for Lester. And, you know, I thought Q looked pretty good in in his few innings of relief coming off of the injuries, making his season debut, rather, right? Um, so it's an interesting conversation. And, you know, it all squares, too, with Jose Quintana's been a pretty stable member of this rotation for years now and when they talked to him after the game on Tuesday he reiterated his desire to be starting games so uh, you know a bit of some some stuff to figure out but where do you land on this Brendan as it stands uh, on Wednesday night so Chatwood when he came back was throwing you know about a mile and a half slower than his average this year so 
you know, I don't know if he's fully back in gear. You know, he's healthy, but is he ready stamina-wise to be a starter? I, 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 I don't know. Now, if he's the same guy as we saw just three weeks ago, throwing 95, throwing 96 with that cutter, with that curveball, then then I want Chad winning the rotation. But in his side sessions, if he's not showing the same stuff as he once was, again, just three weeks ago, then maybe Q does deserve, and justifiably so, get that spot. But I'm not going to use just one start back from the injured list to make that decision for, for both of these guys. These both, both these guys just came back from the injured list. So it's only going to be determined, in my opinion, by what David Ross sees, what Tommy Hadaby sees, what the coaches see for Chatwood in his next bullpen. And so we're kind of in a blind spot here, but just assuming that his velocity is normal, that his stuff is normal. I, I want to see Chatwood still get the shot. The stuff was so good in the first few starts. It was so lethal, so many strikeouts, so many whiffs, that it's it's hard to just get rid of that and go mm-hmm. to Q, who only has two pitches and still is only throwing 91. He's not even the same guy as he was three years ago. So in my mind, I need to know for certain that Chatwood is is not going to be the same guy as he was three weeks ago. And that's going to be determined through side sessions, through his bullpen. And if they come to the decision that, hey, you know what? He's still working through stuff, still going to need stamina back. We'll put him in a bullpen for you know two, three innings. I support that too. But I want to see a fully capable Chatwood. And if he is, I still want him in that rotation. Sunday, Sunday, Sundays are coming back in the NFL with NFLSundayTicket.tv. You can stream every live out-of-market NFL game every Sunday afternoon on your favorite devices, plus Red Zone and DirecTV Fantasy Zone channels. Never miss your favorite teams and favorite players. No matter where you live, NFLSundayTicket.tv is your key to the most glorious Sundays ever. Use the promo code BLUEWIRE at checkout to get 15% off your subscription. Visit NFLSundayTicket.tv and use promo code BLUEWIRE. Does somebody say playoffs? The NBA and NHL are playing for the gold and our partners at Bet Online have you covered. Get in on all the action, including a new NBA bracket context with plenty of chances to win. MLB season is pushing into fall, and there's no shortage of ways to bet with hundreds of odds, futures, and props. So take advantage of those returns of sports, and remember, the casino never closes. Check it out all today, all night. Go to betonline.ag and use promo code BLUEWIRE to receive your welcome bonus. That's betonline.ag, promo code BLUEWIRE. BetOnline, your online sportsbooks experts. Yeah, I mean, I think I'd be comfortable, you know, taking another look. Um, I, the, the concern I have is that that the start in Detroit was really not good. It was and terrible. It, it yeah. was, you know, the the previous start before he went on the injured list against the Royals was more of a hard contact issue than the walk issue. But this start against the Tigers was both. It was a ton of balls hit over 95 miles an hour off the bat by the Tigers and also five walks in just an inning and a third, which sounds a lot like Chatwood starts we've seen in the past. Uh, so my concern with it is you had all all of the bad things combined into one outing and 
you could just tell that it wasn't there. And I think that's that's particularly what's the most concerning is this wasn't an issue of him just missing his spot by a couple inches, right? This wasn't him, uh, you know, trying to nip at the edges and, and catching too much of the plate or whatever, making mistakes to really good hitters. I mean, how many times, I said this to you, Brendan, I, I don't have the count in front of me, but how many times... If you watch that game on Tuesday, did he bury the the sinker or the fastball, whatever it was, in yeah. the left-handed batter's box to a right-handed hitter, right? Yeah. Like he just clearly was, you know, p- pulling the ball that way too much over and over and over again. It just clearly wasn't there. And when he was able to locate anywhere close to the zone, they were killing it. So I, I, it, it again, and I, and I hate to to always use kind of the same phrases. I feel like a broken record so many times, but uh, this is one of those things where, in a normal season, I, it's it's still a weird spot because you have so many guys. You know, you have more than five guys who you might consider for the rotation. Uh, but in a normal season, you you certainly wouldn't want to write off what Chatwood was able to do in those first couple starts and the reason you signed him in the first place just because of a couple bad ones, one of which is immediately following an IL stint, right? Um, but it's another one of those spots where you kind of have to think like, okay, but that's two pretty non-competitive starts in a row. And how, you know, we've only got 30 games left. So how many more are we willing to kind of... Uh, let get away from us and, but and how David Ross was are able you to Quintana though right like we only saw one star from Quintana right. we have yeah that's one fair sample from Chatwood so but I, I I guess I just feel like Quintana through his consistency through the years has perhaps earned more of a benefit of the doubt even if we don't believe that his ceiling is as high as what Chatwood's could be it's, it's just David Ross was able to intervene in the game on Tuesday before it got out of hand uh, but that was because Underwood was able to get uh, you know, a, a big strikeout and, and sort of escape, two strikeouts, excuse me, and, and escape further damage. But, you know, you had a really precarious spot uh, already in the second inning that, you know, felt like it was okay. You know, if if you leave Chatwood out there, you're really opening up the door for this game to just be thrown away two innings into it. And so it, it it's just sort of reconciling how many games are you willing to risk that i i i i'm with you i i would let him back out there i would let him have another one he was he was so good in those first couple starts that you know it's it's obviously worth trying to see if you can harness that again but again it's 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 a tough spot cuz you just don't have that many starts to give going forward in 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 the rest of the year so you need them to be at the very least competitive and and not letting things spiral out of control so quickly but uh, you know part of that too is you know Quintana obviously still not able to throw a uh, hundred pitches do they look at piggybacking them going forward you know Chatwood is someone who we've seen this stuff play up uh, in shorter stints coming out of the bullpen I, I don't know it's it's a tricky spot it, I, I think all to say it was not a particularly good time for Chatwood to have a start like this, right? Like Mills and Lester both rebound, Q comes back, and Chatwood is just really not good uh, for the second straight time. So it's it's a it's a tough spot, and it'll be interesting to see uh, what they do going forward. Uh, I'll, I'll add to that. It, it was good, you know. It's good to see Q back out there. I mean, I know that uh, he's not 
specifically a a favorite from a, from a performance perspective of of Brendan and I. But you know he's he's been a stable part of this rotation, uh, and I think you know any any time you can get the team closer to healthy, that's a good thing for this group. Yeah, I mean not 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 to bag on Q. I I don't ever want to you know do that, but. In, in my mind, like I always want to try to hit the higher end of the possibilities. And I think if Chatwood's on, man, he's he's in like really on, you know, he's one of the better pitchers on this team, like just from a pure stuff perspective. So I, I, I just want to see one more one more start, really, just to get an idea of where he's at. Because even that one start before he went on the injured list, we don't know how much of that was influenced by back pain or by having to uh, switch up his preparation because of a potential back issue. There's just too many unknowns for me there to make that decision. But like the rest of the rotation, you still have Hendricks, you still have Darvish. Uh, Lester looked a little better against the Tigers, still not getting the whips I want to see, but still looked better. Alec Mills, I thought, looked better. Uh, He still has some of the weakest contact given up. He has more we contact the 98% of the league right now. So that's good to see. So I, I think really at the end of this discussion, to debate between Q and Chatwood as your last rotation spot, that's the least of the concerns right now. I think what we're seeing with some of the ongoing offensive issues that are, that are now arising, that are now revealing itself in more games and in more data, I'm I'm a little surprised. I'm more focused on that. I, I I didn't expect to be focused on the offense, to be quite honest with you. But some of the revealing things we've seen in the last week, I'm kind of changing my mind. I'm I have a different feel for for this offense right now. And it's very concerning with Chris Bryant doubt and the potential consequences of that. It's 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 a weird place, Corey. It's it's a weird place. Uh, it's it's just it, it's I don't know. I I hate to even say that I don't feel confident in this team because they they got off to such a hot start and we know that they are capable of more. But isn't that a I mean, how many times have we said that exact phrase <laughs> over the last few years, Brendan? And I think that's really where the frustration comes in. And, and I, you, you guys know how much Brendan and I hate the Dodgers. And I, I hate to even uh, compare things to them. But over the last few years, they seem to have no issue just showing up for the regular season. They win a ton of games. Everything goes smoothly. They win the division by a billion games. And it just doesn't seem like there's this much turmoil throughout their seasons. Now, granted, in a lot of that time, the Cubs have won more or close to as many games. But it just, it feels like there's just these stretches where you just sort of like question everything that's going on more than you might with other teams. And and I just, I, I don't really know how to reconcile that. It's it's just a strange place to be when the performance is just so volatile from this group uh, from time to time. And, and we've talked about a lot, like we know that that's the case with some of these guys, you know, uh, they didn't draft a bunch of high average like contact hitters, right, to just sort of provide like sort of the same results over and over again. Um, but it's, it's still, it's just very frustrating and just very hard to reconcile with that and and you know you you look at some of these guys and, and it's just I like how does Javi have a 680 OPS Brendan how does that even happen I, I he's just I better than it. that like how how do we get here you know I know it's only 30 games but 
um, man, like when when this off season finished and we headed into all of this, I really had just hoped that this top level talent was just going to show up and kick butt, and and that was just sort of going to be uh, the way that it was. But just uh, not how it's playing out, and it's 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 frustrating. Yeah, but I I, I do agree. I mean, I think debating between Chatwood and Quintana is probably not. Uh, exactly the most important thing going on with this team it 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 truly I think begins and ends with um this offense I mean I think this team goes as far as this offense is is going to take it and unfortunately that's been the case for uh, a couple years now because I think you know for for as hit or miss as some of the starters have been at times right like again you you have a arguably the NL Cy Young favorite in you Darvish you know what Hendricks is capable of and uh, I will take John Lester in a big game over anybody right um, so you know you know that you have some of those forces there the bullpen is going to be an ever-revolving project I don't know what to tell you guys about that we knew that I, I still believe in a lot of those guys I think they have the ability to put it together but it's just going to be something that is uh, you know on a rolling basis right um, it's it's just going to come down to this offense. They're 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 going to have to show up. And and I mean, I hate to be in a place where you feel like if the if the playoffs started now, the first round is three games, right? You'd you'd feel like it it would all depend on which version of this offense shows up for those three games, right? Like, yeah. I, and and I I don't you know part of the other problem is is we don't really seem to have any any way of predicting when that is and right? that's th- that's a good point though that's the uncertainty we're talking about like it's not as though it's like specifically one yeah. type of pitcher or yeah. a handedness it 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 sort of just comes and goes yeah and i and that that's what we're trying to like figure out and talk out loud about because this is this is not just like a one year thing and all the extremes we've highlighted in years past like that that's where it's so puzzling and i get it like they're they're 18 and 12 i i totally get it but trying to like project the future is so difficult when the team inherently is showcasing completely different approaches at times it doesn't make any sense and that's that's the crux of the issue it's like we want to know and feel confident where this team will be in like a month right and i don't think we have that type of confidence right now i mean that's 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 really just uh where it is um again i i wish we had better answers for you but uh I think that what we have to fall back on, and I mean, I know this is going to fall on, on uh, you know, some people that don't want to hear this. I mean, we just have to fall back on. We know that some of these guys are better than this, and I don't know what it takes to turn it around. I don't know what it takes to have some better performances, but uh, yeah, I mean, you're just, you know, again, we know that some of these guys are better than this, and uh, how you want to view all of this and how you want to proceed forward with things next year, this offseason, whatever, that's a, that's a different discussion, uh, and we will have that discussion. But I think for now, again, it's it's all about you. you, you th- this team would have to go on an epics slide to not be one of the top eight teams in the National League. Um, and so I don't think that's going to happen. 
And so the key here is, you, you know, you know what the issues are, right? And and a lot of them have been kind of the same since the beginning. You, you still need to solidify some of those bullpen roles. You're going to continue wanting to see Kimbrell have some good outings. He had uh, a pretty good outing on Wednesday, did walk a guy, but got two strikeouts in an inning, no hits, no runs. So again, that continues to at least progress in the right direction. Uh, ERA sub nine now, so that's good, uh, right? Um, yeesh, Brendan. I mean, where are we? <laughs> I know. <laughs> um, anyway, uh, you know, so so that's one of the things you still need to to iron out, and you're going to have to keep an eye on for the rest of the year. And you just got to get this offense going, man. I mean, that that's really what it's going to be. We 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 don't have any update on Chris Bryant or what that's going to look like. But as we said on the last one, I mean, I think you you, you really are at the point where you you can't count on him returning. Uh, and even if he does, you, you can't count on what that production might look like. That That's just the reality of the situation. That's the reality of injuries. Uh, so that's pretty much where you're at. You, you have a pretty solid idea that you're going to be amongst the teams participating in the playoffs. You know what it takes to win in the playoffs, and, and you got you have 30 games to you know figure out how to iron some of these out, th- some of these things out. And again, like th- this team has and always has had the the pieces to make this work right in condensed series in the playoffs they have the top level talent to pull this off we said that the entire offseason right now that's not happening on the offensive side of the game it obviously needs to get there by the time you reach the playoffs that's that's pretty much what it is, Brendan. I again, like I, I truly wish that that we could look at certain numbers or certain things and say, here's the problem. This is this is the problem. Here's how they fix it. They know this, and by you know Friday or by Monday, completely different, right? Like, but I I, I just don't know what it is, and it's a perplexing place to be when the main issue is guys who you know are better hitters than this aren't hitting better than this and and it's not even to say that like we need these guys you know playing at you know MVP level right like all of them or or anything like that I mean they're not even playing at league average level right now so I am sort of at a loss man I don't know Corey we've been doing inspiring one today I mean I I don't have good answers Uh, for you guys I mean they're eight they're 18 and 12 and like I feel like sometimes this could be misinterpreted and hopefully it's not but on to you know, on to Cincinnati. This is this is what we got. This team has a very realistic shot of winning the World Series, a, a very good chance of going deep in the playoffs. I recognize that. It just is unsettling at times when they perform like this. And why they do this, I don't know. I mean, even Theo in the front office, they've been trying to figure this out for years with multiple hitting coaches, a completely new hitting infrastructure, and some of these issues are persisting. And I have no idea what the issue is. But moving on to the series against the Reds. Let's preview this four-game set. So we have the first game Friday at 6.10 p.m. Central Time. We have Kyle Hendricks on the mound for the Cubs, facing Wade Miley. Hendricks on the years 3-3 three and three with 3.55 ERA. Wade Miley is 0-3 with a 9.72 ERA. Then on Saturday, they have that doubleheader. Hugh Darvish is slated to pitch that day. The Reds have not announced uh, their other pitcher that day, but they'll have Luis Castillo at least pitching one of the games. This year, Castillo is 0-3 with a 4.4 ERA. Castillo has a wicked changeup, some of the best stuff in the league, so not going to be fun to watch. 
And then on Sunday, no pitching matchups have been announced. Also on Saturday, the Cubs have not announced the other pitcher yet. I'm looking at this as of Wednesday evening at 10.30 p.m. Chicago time. So just stay tuned to who's going to get those starts. But for me, Corey's pretty simple. The bats need to wake up. I mean, you highlighted it perfectly. The two through five guys are just not doing what they normally do. And for, for reasons that we don't know. But this team is going to ride and die with his superstars. The depth that we've seen can only carry them so much. So just that's got to be the focus is what is the two through five guys going to do in the series? Yeah, I, I think especially in this Red series, you know, you're going to face some some tough pitching, but this is another one. This Reds team has not been successful to yeah. start this 2020 season. They were uh, a darling pick along with the White Sox to, you know, be this the sort of like sleepers, I guess, uh, and the White Sox are living up to that, but the Reds are very much not. And you don't, you know, don't be the team that, that lets them turn it around, right? Don't be the team that can take advantage of them not playing good baseball on the whole. You got to go in there and pick up some wins. And that's, that's one of the reasons. And and I know that this, this, uh, I think a lot of this podcast, even though I think we try to contextualize it pretty well, is going to come across as doom and gloom and whatever. Um, but that's the problem when you lose a series to a trash team like the Tigers, you know, you set yourself up now where you go into this long series with the Reds and y- you better perform, right? Because you just lost a series to the 11 and 16 Tigers before the, they beat the Cubs twice and now their record is better. Yeah. Um, that's where it leaves you and that's why it's so frustrating. It, it's it's not meant to be an indictment of the season or to express pessimism over the season or anything like that. I think you're allowed to be mad that they didn't beat the Tigers. I, I think that's really just what it is. Like, they should not be playing down to a team like the Detroit Tigers. They shouldn't be playing down to anybody, right? Like, the whole argument of their top-level talent being able to compete with anybody in the league doesn't really work if they don't do it against the Detroit Tigers, right? It's it, it's just that simple. And, you know, in a, in a short season like this, you need to roll over these teams. They they did that when they faced a team like the Pirates earlier in the year, but it, it needs to be every time. And I know that's easier said than done, but you have to roll through these teams. This whole season is so much reliant on playing your own division and it, it, winning the division, the value may not even be there, right? They're talking about doing a playoff bubble and stuff. like So there may be literally no advantage to being one of the higher seeds other than playing a lower seed and batting second in, in you know some of the games, right? But in order to be successful in a short season like this, you have to roll over these bad teams. Uh, and that's not what they did in this series. So it, it puts more pressure. The The Reds are, are not in the spot where they want to be. Uh, and again, you know, you, you don't want to go in there and be the team that allows them to turn it around uh, or allows them to have one of their better series of the year. I, I think it's been a while since the Reds have won a series, you know, so don't go in there and be the one to flip the script for them. Bury them. Go in there and try to bury them. Like they're I don't know, Brendan. It's just it's it's been a long day. It's it's very frustrating uh, watching them lose to the Tigers. What a year, dude. And I, <laughs> I, you know, again, like I just I I I think the reason that 
the the tone is so negative today and you know pessimistic at times is because it just gets frustrating having the same conversation about this group i i mean really if you we we're not able to do this but if you were able to do like a word count or a word search uh, query through all of our podcasts from the last couple of years. I don't even want to know how many times we've talked about this team not playing to their potential, right? And it just gets frustrating, you know, um, to be constantly making the argument that they're better than some of the stuff yes. that we see. Um, yeah. And, you know, again, that that's that's also such a tough thing to talk about and and reconcile with how successful this group has been over the years obviously missing the playoffs last year and and you know 2019 is is a really not good season but but this group on the whole with some changes obviously in the personnel has been really good and has won a lot of baseball games um but it does just get frustrating especially um you know from from the way 2018 ended and 2019 and then parts of 2020 here it just gets frustrating to sort of constantly be thinking like man i i know they're better than in this, uh, but how often do I have to, you know, how often do I have to keep telling myself that? Um, so that's just what it is. But I, deep down in my soul, uh, and and just with as much conviction as I can muster, again, I I know that these hitters are better than this. Rizzo, Baez, Schwarber, Contreras—they're very different players. They have different expectations, and the standard is different for each of them. But with where they are right now, I I know that all four of them are better than the way that they have played to start the 2020 season. And that is going to have to be what shines through if they're going to go forward and, and be as successful uh, as we want them to be. So yep. that that's pretty much where it is, Brendan. As always, we thank you guys for listening to the Cubs-related podcast. We will talk to you when the Cubs and Reds finish up on Sunday. Thank you for joining us, and as always, we end by saying, Go Cubs! Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.